Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for today's pod. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Adriana Terrazas from 2DN. Adriana, how are you doing after uh, getting to cover MLS Cup over there in Seattle? It's amazing. I have to say I love MLS now a lot more than before. Um, it's just an <laughs> amazing organization. The final was so amazing. Like everything. The teams were doing really great. I mean, sorry for the Toronto fans. But the Seattle fans are were wild. They were. It was just such an amazing final. I didn't expect nothing near it, so I'm quite happy about it. And yeah, I, I was actually thinking this is like probably the first time I'm recording the pod in some place that actually does speak English. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yes, yeah, so Adriana is still in Seattle. And actually, really quickly, like what, like what have you gotten to do in Seattle so far? Like, what are the highlights? Because I've only been there a couple times, but I basically just went to a bunch of bars and whatnot. But. <laughs> Um, I actually, you know what I did? Um, they invited us to actually climb the Space Needle, like way on top, like yeah. like further on top than most people get to go to, because now they have like this glass, like ceiling and like floor and, st and stuff like that, so you can like like walk around and take pictures of the floor underneath. Um, and they let us climb like four more stories, like literally, like a really really terrible staircase. It was just it was just like it was worrisome. I mean, at some point. Um, <laughs> So we had to climb that, and we, we had to reach the top, like way the top, the antenna, where they put the, the they raised the, the Sounders flag for the first time. So that was a, an amazing highlight because that's just something that people usually don't get to do. So that was pretty cool, and we, I got some amazing shots of downtown Seattle, and it was just amazing because when we got there, there was like this, it's like it was all fucked up. I mean, we couldn't see anything, and I was like, oh yeah. dear, this is gonna be terrible. I and mean, that's then Seattle here, for you, but yeah. Yeah, that, that's Seattle. Yeah, like like. Typical Seattle weather. And then after a while, it just started clearing up. And it was beautiful. It was just such amazing um, feeling just being up there. It was quite cold. <laughs> Someone actually had to give me, like, some, like, like hand warmers. Like, I don't know, like, small little bags that you shake up and they start heating up. Um, <laughs> I couldn't feel my hands. So that was, I was thinking on my phone, I might actually, like, like I, I might drop it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that, that was a highlight. I, I came here a couple of years ago for a Seahawks game. So that's so that's when I did like all the traditional like touristy stuff, but that was um, yeah Space Needle was was really nice and obviously the game yesterday was really wild so amazing. Nice, nice. Well, I'm jealous you got to experience that because yeah I haven't been back. To, I went I went a couple times and obviously I did much more than just drink although that was a lot of what I did because my friends who live up there are bartenders but uh, <laughs> but I, I had a fantastic I think it's been a, a few years but it was cool like. I got to check out, yeah, downtown and Gasworks Park and the Pike Place Market and the Fremont, the Fremont Troll, too. I don't know if you've heard of the Fremont Troll, but it's like this giant troll that's under a bridge. It's not like a real troll, but it's like some like architecture. But I did. Yeah. I've, I've actually wanted to go see it, but it's kind of like far away from everything uh, else. That's the only reason I haven't done that. But yeah, I, I went to the, to the market as well. That's a lot of fun. The market is cool. Um, yeah. I went to the first Starbucks because, I mean, you're there and it, you just have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have to say, I love the eggnog latte thing you guys got going on over here because we don't have eggnog down in Mexico. So I'm really like just taking up the opportunity to get my like dose of eggnog every day. Oh, man. I don't know. Eggnog's too much for me. I don't know. I don't drink really? eggnog. So, <laughs> no, I don't like eggnog. It's too much. It's like too, I don't know. I don't get excited. I feel a little grossed out when I think about eggnog. I have no idea how you get, uh, how, like, how it's done. I have, like, the basic idea of, like, how to do it, but I don't worry too much about it because I, I do like how it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho, uh, we are here to talk about Liga Mekis. We're here to talk about some stuff about L3 today. 
Uh, when I'm talking about all three, I'm talking about like the U17s and talk about the senior side, the women. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Mexicans abroad, maybe some Linus rumors. But Adrian, let's start with the big question of the day. And here it is. Who will be the two teams that claim the last two Liga Mekis playoff spots? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, if you look at Chivas, it, if it goes like, if, if, it, if it keeps on going like the way it is, you could think so. You're giving them a chance. Still, okay. All right. I, I mean, I didn't like a couple of weeks ago, but then they started winning this. I mean, I was actually thinking how much this could like entirely change their plans for next season. Because we were all thinking Luis Fernando Tena was only here like for the remainder of the year. And then now there's all these rumors saying, hey, just keep him for next semester. Um, and they were, talk- like, they were talking with Diego Alonso. And there were even rumors with Memo Vasquez. And I was like, oh, my God, this is changing like their entire scenario. They actually do have to consider keeping him next semester. Um, so I, I guess I, I might have to go with them. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Morelia, um, could make it in too. I think they had a pretty good run, but I think they're kind of like running out of gas, but yeah. I still think they, that there's something about Morelia that's just uh, kind of surprising this season. Yeah. For me, I think I'm going to have to stick with, I mean, I guess I'm just going to go with the easy answers just because it looks like Morelia is so close. I don't need so many things to go wrong or in order for them to not go through. So I guess it would be, for my guess, the first first team that's going to qualify is Morelia. And then after that, I feel like I can't I can't ignore, you know, Rayados, you know, you know Monterrey. I, it looks like they, they got a very, very good chance to go through. And unless of like, I mean, I feel like, yeah, Tijuana still has a chance. Yeah, Puma still have a chance. Pachuca, Chivas, and even to an extent, uh, I think Atlas do have a mathematical chance, but it's, that's not definitely not happening. Even all those teams do still have a chance. I feel like the way the table looks right now, uh, well, I guess I should say with the way the table looks right now, but the, the top eight right now is a top eight they were going to have um, going into the playoffs. Just because Cholos just need so many things to go right. In order for them to go, th- uh, in order for them to go through, like even if they get a win against Leon, they'll still need Atlas to get an away draw or win against Rayados. And if they if they get and if Cholos get a draw, then they need so many other things to get right. Morelia, they just need so many things to go wrong in order for them not to go through. And I think Monterrey, just because of you know they're they're picking up a little bit of momentum, not a significant amount of momentum, but I think a little bit of momentum. I think. I think they're they're gonna push past everybody else and just maintain that final it's eight spots. I think yeah, I think it's been Borrelli and, and Rayados. The thing with Rayados is, I mean, first of all, they face Atlas, which has been like a regular team and usually tends to compl- complicate things a bit for the for their rivals. Um, but Monterrey has been like like a downward spiral this season. I mean, it started yeah, off kind of well. It has like one of the most powerful squads available. Um, and then it's it's just not up to what we'd expect for any Monterrey like season at all. I mean, it just it, it hasn't been that strong at all, like in the entire season. It's just some team that you assume is going to do really well because of the squad they have, but as a team, it just hasn't happened. Um, Morelia probably the thing that complicates it just a bit is the fact that they're facing Querétaro. But then we saw what happened with Querétaro and Chivas, so who knows how that will go. Um, and <laughs> the funny thing is. I was actually worried, um, like a couple of weeks ago, because looking at the calendar, Chivas um, faces Veracruz, and I was like, "Oh dear, things are going so like terribly for Chivas. Veracruz is going to get that win when they face Chivas." And now, fortunately, like it, the opposite seems to be happening. But I was just so worried because I was like, "Oh my God, if Veracruz hasn't won by that point, they're going to yeah. win against Chivas, and it's going to be like the end of the season as we know it, and it's just going to be like the worst way for Chivas to say goodbye." And I, I don't know. 
But now it seems like it's like the total opposite. You do see Chivas winning um, against Veracruz. But yeah, I mean, they do need some tons of other things to happen as well. Yeah, so for those, so let's just dive into the episode right now. So for those who, who want to know who is in and who is out and who is still in the running. So basically, right now, you have six teams that have already qualified for the for the League of Equities playoffs. So six out of eight sets. So we have Necaxa, Tigres, Querétaro, Santos, León, and América. So fighting for those final two spots, you have Morelia and Rayados, who are currently the favorites. If we're talking about, like, I guess if you're... If, if we're just looking at points alone right now, like obviously because they're currently in the top eight, they're the favorites right now. So Morelia and Monterrey, they're the the two favorites to to take those final two spots. But also in the running are Cholos, Pachuca, Pumas, Chivas, and yeah, mathematically speaking, even even Atlas still have a tiny, 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 tiny chance. But so somehow thirteen out of nineteen teams still have something to fight for at yeah. like the last week. Yeah, which is pretty it's pretty wild but i guess that's something we've we've kind of come to expect in liga mekis because of the shorter the short seasons like it's just i guess this isn't really anything too shocking if anything i'm slightly surprised that six places are already set <laughs> yeah i mean usually i mean it's not it's not something that doesn't happen i mean usually you have like four teams like looking for like the final spots in playoffs or something like that but yeah. um but yeah, I didn't expect that many to be still alive at this point. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like really slim opportunities, but still, I mean, Atlas could make it. But but it, it's just it's just weird. And well, just for everyone who's keeping count, I mean, Cruz Azul, San Luis, Juarez, Toluca, Puebla, and Veracruz are the teams that are, are eliminated. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they even try something during the last week. I mean, I don't know if... Um, I mean, obviously, Veracruz needs those points to avoid relegation next season. But I don't know, maybe Cruz Azul could take the opportunity and start seeing what players they might um, let go at the end of the season or just, I don't know, make some debuts, stuff like that. It, it's kind of weird when you have a team that still has to play a last game without fighting for anything. Yeah, and it was it's interesting to look at some of the results from over the weekend and how they really changed the playoff race. Like, for example... That big Monterrey win over Cholos really rearranged things. The fact that Juarez uh, got a draw uh, against Pumas that helped. Pumas. Yeah, they 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 were, they were able to help a couple teams. Uh, Cruz Azul are now officially out of the running because that loss. And it looked like Pachuca could have pushed for a win there to to somehow remain like a little bit more alive. But I mean, I guess the draw against Stegas isn't always a bad result. But it seemed like there were a couple interesting results over the week. It really rearranged this table. Yeah, agreed. I mean, when I was doing my predictions, I really didn't see Monterrey beating Tijuana, and I didn't even see like Tijuana not even scoring, especially since it was yeah. a home game for them. I mean, Tijuana just seems really consistent. Usually, when they're playing at home, and it just seemed like they were that uncomfortable rival that was going to make it through, like in sixth, seventh place to Liguilla. Um, I mean, yeah. Also, Pumas um, just getting that draw against Juarez. I think it's it also starts to make people think um, what could go on with Pumas at the end of the season because we yeah. know Ades de Parga, the club president, is leaving. So still not sure who's going to take his spot. Um, I do think they're going to keep the coach, though. I think it's, there's been some interesting developments. I mean, he's still getting used to the league, understanding, um, I don't know, like the, the U-20 rule and how the international players you can have, stuff like that. So um, I think it's 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 getting to the point where clubs are starting to look into next season also because it's it's such a short like preseason before like next year. I mean they start playing yeah. the first week of January, so they just have to take advantage of whatever time they have to build up those teams for next season. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the winter. And really quickly, 
for those who missed uh, the Star Wars news uh, on Friday, uh, <laughs> Cholos showed off their new Star Wars jersey. They made a they had they made a partnership with like a Disney Mexico, Disney Latin America. I'm not entirely sure. It's just a like a Disney's like a representation like south of the border. But uh, so they had a uh, they had Star Wars jerseys which they wore on Friday night. Not only that, but there were also stormtroopers that joined the Cholos and Rayados as they were walking out onto the field. They played like the Star Wars intro music as they were walking out into the field. It became this big kind of like strange event uh, where it kind of felt like I was in Disneyland because of all the Star Wars <laughs> stuff that I was seeing all over the Estado Caliente. And then of course, Cholos end up having their worst ever result at home in a league match. And I think uh, it was a four nothing loss at home against Dallas, and I think uh, Tom Harrison, who now does work for Santos Laguna, I think he had the tweet of the night because he uh, he replied to a tweet of mine that just said, "May the the fours be with you, like fours as of the number. May the fours be with you." In response to, <laughs> <laughs> but uh... I, I, I love I love it when Liam X teams like take a chance and do stuff like that. I think they should do that more often. Oh, they I should. I mean, we, we it, occasionally yeah. see some things, but it's usually like, oh, it's like the Day of the Dead, so we're gonna have like the jersey numbers, like with like like Mexican style stuff or it's, it's, it's they're, they're cautious about it. And occasionally when you do something this crazy, like, um, like when Leon has um, revealed their, their new players with graffiti yeah. outside of the stadium, stuff like that. I think more teams should take an opportunity to do stuff like that. I mean, it's all, I mean, it's all entertainment in the end, right? Sometimes we all take soccer a little too seriously and it's all entertainment, mm-hmm. you know? So, so why not do things like that? Although it was pretty funny. So, you know, like the little cart, uh, where it picks up injured players and if it needs to go on the field and bring them off the field, they actually replace the the top because it's usually just like a plastic thing, and they put a Millennium Falcon on top of one of them. So that was a uh, <laughs> that was good. But uh, but other than that, I mean, going back, looking just towards the playoffs, and just to wrap up our little uh, League of Mikey's conversation here, do we feel as if there's a clear title favorite just yet? Because I'm I'm still not sure. And usually I feel like it's always Monterrey Tigres, Monterrey Tigres, yeah. but this season. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. What do you think? i you know what the thing is? I mean, I obviously I don't think Monterrey is a favorite despite the fact that it could make it to playoffs. But yeah. um same thing happens with Tigres every season. It's just like this team that wakes up halfway through the regular season and then they have an amazing Liguilla. So I'll never count them out. I think we've all learned our lesson and if they make it to the final we'll be like, Oh yeah, it's Tigres. But um it's really difficult. I mean you you You'd probably think Necaxa or Santos, right? I mean, they're 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 most they're most regular. They've had the most wins. Um, it's it's such a rare thing because um, we don't get to talk about them, despite the fact that they're first and second yeah. place. I mean, they're just kind of discreet when it comes to Liga MX, still. Um, but if either of them won, I'd be pretty happy about it. Especially Necaxa. I think Necaxa yeah. um, has had such an amazing like scouting of players and just making sure that they also make business. I mean, th- this is something that fans have questioned, like, like the sports director and everything. They're saying, Hey dude, I mean, we've, we've had some really amazing players and then you sell them like, a, like after one season. So that's why we're not winning. We're doing pretty good and we're making it to Liguilla, but we, we need to keep those players a while longer. And, it, and apparently they're going to do that. I'm not quite sure if they will, because I'm pretty sure um, they're going to get lots of offers for Cristian Calderon, for instance. So, I mean, it'd be pretty interesting to see a team like Necaxa, after having this project with Memo Vasquez, um, actually make it through to winning the Liguilla. And also, I think it'll be great for 
for, for Liga MX because, I mean, Necaxa, despite not having as many, like not being in the spotlight as much as America or Cruz Azul or Pumas or Chivas, um, it's still one of those historic teams. So seeing them win, I think, would be pretty important. Yeah, and I think for the most part, I think we like parity in Liga MX. I think we like it to be kind of even. And I'm not going to say it's disappointing, but it is like uh, you do tend to worry a little bit when you see the amount of money that you no know, teams like Monterrey or Tigres spend and you think, wow, like, is the title just always going to be between either one of them? I know, obviously, they aren't the ones who have been like winning like season in, season out, especially at Rialdos. They still need to do a little bit better when it comes to winning those league titles. But you do, in the past, I feel like I've, I felt a little worried that it was just going to be those two who are going to be fighting or at least be the easy title favorites, you know, going uh, into the playoffs both season. But I am kind of excited that I, I, that I genuinely don't know. And even like, even though Santos or Necaxa are in first or second place, I, wouldn't even be surprised if if Santos were to lose against an eighth place team just because I, I don't know it just I I, I feel like yeah that they, yeah they've been an extremely dominant side but I think we can't count out any of these like uh I mean what I guess what I'm trying to say here is I think the the difference between Santos and all the other teams uh like talent wise I, I I don't think it's that vast especially over 180 minutes and I think you can count out any of these teams for potentially winning the title so I'm looking forward to I'm pretty excited I'm still gonna say that Thigetis are are probably going to win it all, but I don't know if Rayados go through and end up getting that eighth place spot. Uh, maybe there's a small chance they could they can go through as well. Although I was on a pod yesterday, like a month day podcast, and I predicted that I, I feel like I I can imagine them being a semifinalist. But but it, it's going to be interesting nonetheless. Well, just that's just one of the things about um, the playoffs here in Liga MX. I mean, you don't have to think about one game; you have to think about two of them, and have yeah. to think about the home advantage. Um, have to know that you're going to play two games in three or four days. So that's when I think experience is like a huge factor. So you might see someone like, like America understanding how to make sure that your players are top-notch when it comes to the Liguilla. Um, unlike maybe Querétaro, that could probably like suffer because of that. So I don't know. It, 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 I, I want someone like different to win that's not like America Tigres or Monterrey, to be honest, because I do think... Um, yeah, I, I, again, I, I want um, just different different teams to make it. I want different stra- strategies and formulas and um, coming into place. So, I mean, again, Necaxa, I mean, Santos is also one of those teams that has an amazing um, recruitment and has amazing development program with their younger players as well. So it'd be good to see these teams that are kind of doing things differently and sometimes not getting as much credit for them um, actually win a title. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So let's now move on to some Mexican national team talk. We got a few different subtopics within this Mexican national team section that we have here. And I think let's we're going to start first with the U-17s, Adriana, because the U-17s are the semis of the U-17 World Cup. I mean, th- thanks to a goal from Avila in the second half uh, on Sunday, Mexico defeated South Korea one nothing, and they now have a spot in the semifinal stage against the Netherlands. I mean, I feel like they've They've definitely exceeded our expectations, didn't they? Because I definitely didn't expect them to be going this far, especially after the group stage where you saw them have some, having some issues and heading into their final group stage match. You're wondering, are they even going to qualify for the knockout round? And yet they got to win in round of 16, got to win the quarterfinals. And now they're here in the semis. I, I, I'm very, very impressed. I mean, I, it, it's just... I think we're all impressed. I mean, we didn't... We, we thought they'd make it past the group stage. I mean, that's the at least as a, one of the like the top three teams um, or one of the better third places of, of the group stage, I mean, you had to make it through. Anything less than that would have been a total failure. But just making it to semifinals, I think we're all impressed. Yeah, because, I mean, it wasn't the best 
performances. I mean, we've seen the group stage. I mean, they suffered enormously against Paraguay. I think we were all expecting the loss against Italy. Not the way it actually turned out. We thought we'd get a draw, at least in that game as well. Um, but then we got the loss. And I don't know. It's just, I think it's kind of what happened in 2011 when we had the World Cup in Mexico. It yeah. started off not the same but kind of similar. It wasn't as strong a squad, and it just started growing and growing and growing, and it made it all the way to the final and won. So, I don't know, maybe maybe that's, that same thing is happening. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, that we start off tournaments really slow. Um, but it definitely has surprised us this far. I'm not quite sure if, if they'll still be lucky against the Netherlands, because I think they're, they're, they're the European champion, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be kind of tough. But still, I mean, just making it this far, I think it's a pretty big success. I mean, either way, we got to have a player flop in the box for a potential game winner, right? If it's like the 88th minute, we got to have someone flop <laughs> against yeah. them just for a little revenge. <laughs> but, but no, but I'm glad you brought up the Netherlands. I mean, because I, I, I mean, I haven't been keeping a super close eye on them uh, in the tournament. But you look at that roster. I mean, in any roster that's made up of mostly IX Academy players. I mean, that's just not something to be taken lightly. And I know that they finished in third place of their group as well, just like Mexico, which is kind of interesting to have two third place uh, finishers in the group stage um, going up in the semis. But just w w when you have this Netherlands side, this Dutch side that has mostly academy players, it's just there, there, there are no guarantees that Mexico's going to be able to get a win here. It's, 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 there's no doubt that it's going to be tough. Agreed. I mean, and right now, just as we're speaking, Brazil is beating Italy. Um, for the other um, for the other semifinals, so I don't know. We could face Italy again. That would be really tough. I mean, it would face them at obviously either the third place or the final. But um, I mean, still, just knowing that you're going to have to face either Brazil or Italy for either phase after the semifinals, whether it's third place or first or second, that's going to be really tough. I mean, that's a huge not only like like tactical challenge, but also mental challenge. I mean, knowing you're facing one of the teams that already beat you and then facing another like um another team just like brazil yeah yeah agreed agreed so now let's uh move on to the senior men's national team uh so there was a call-up last uh week for the the senior side uh seems to be a continued mixture of uh you know some young faces some alternatives some some domestic league of Mackey's talent mixed in with a handful of beautiful bales uh mexico is uh they're prepping for their games on november 15th and november 19th in the CONCACAF nations league uh, so the 15th, so this Friday, that'll be an away game against Panama. And then uh, next Tuesday, uh, I guess if you're listening to this on uh, on Tuesday, I guess it'll be uh, next next Tuesday. <laughs> it'll be a, a home game against Bermuda uh, in Toluca. But I, don't know, I feel like I mean, there's always there's always so much going on in the Mexican soccer world. There's always, I mean, now that we have Liga Mekis Femenid now too, now that we have the women's national team, you know, there's always something to keep an eye on the Mexicans in Europe. There's always stuff in Liga Mekis to keep an eye on. Like, are we, are we not, are, are we not worried enough about this upcoming game on Friday? Because maybe this, this game against Panama away in Panama City might be a little bit more challenging than we think it's going to be for the senior men's side. Well, it, it probably will be. I mean, we tend to, think um, that CONCACAF rivals aren't up to the level of Mexico. And I think if we haven't learned that lesson after like past Gold Cups, it would mean, just mean that we haven't learned from our mistakes. So hopefully um, it'll be... I, I understand Gerardo Martino is also looking into seeing as many players as possible uh, probably towards next season or next semester when I think we're going to face the Netherlands in a friendly. We might start thinking of um, tougher challenges in, in the following stages of the CONCACAF tournaments. 
Um, so I think he has to be kind of wise to mix it up and make sure that you, yeah, you might try out some other like younger players, but still have those um, those leadership positions filled so that you know that they won't make mis make mistakes and they won't think that this is an easy rival. It's just something that we're going to win um, without struggling too much. Yeah, actually, I checked uh, results uh, that Michael's had against Panama, like away games against Panama. And I checked uh, Soccerway, which is uh, an excellent source for soccer stats. And according to them, the last time Mexico scored more than one goal in an away game in Panama was uh, back in 1938. <laughs> that was in the oh wow the the Central American and Caribbean games uh, in 1938. It was a two to two draw between Mexico and Canada uh, and Panama. So yeah, Mexico has been able to get those wins and those draws like in Panama, but I mean, they don't. Obviously, they don't tend to score a lot of goals out there in Panama. And that last away game uh, for Mexico was a one nothing win in 2017 in Panama. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a team that, yeah, I mean, it, it's aging. And you look at some of their stars, some of their best talent, what, like Roman Torres, uh, Anibal Godoy, you know, you know, maybe you could say Edgar Barcenas, who's, who's been doing quite well. Yeah, that they've got some, they've got some talent here, but... I don't know. I'm 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 still unsure, and maybe I'm I'm wondering if we're just yeah, if we're if we're, if we're gonna be taking this game a little too lightly. But I still I still anticipate that Mexico's gonna be getting the win here, though, nonetheless. Yeah, I I think I mean I think they could win. I'm not trying to be like overconfident because again, that's something that we tend to do, especially in Coca-Cola games. Um, but I think I, again, I think it just comes down to what Gerardo Martino is actually looking for with this game. I mean, then you have to have a go a home game. It's gonna be in Toluca, which is apparently now our second home. Um, so I, I guess it just comes down to what exactly you're looking for besides, besides like a good results. Like if you were trying to yeah. like see some new, new players, if you're trying to figure out if some of the older players will still make it to the qualifiers, if you're trying to find replacements for them kind of soon. So I guess it just depends on that, but yeah, hopefully, um, mentally something is being done because again, I mean, we've spoken about this. It's amazing how much uh, support Mexico gets when they play a home game in the United States, for instance. But we do need that challenge of play, like facing more away games or just places where you don't have that support because usually um, that's what we face when we have World Cups, when we have bigger tournaments, and that's what we struggle against. You're not used to having, um, not having that home advantage, uh, especially with the crowd. So maybe that's something that we're kind of, dealing with when we go to the other CONCACAF nations and trying to face them, you're not used to that adversity. So hopefully that will also be a lesson um, to be learned for, for this squad. Yeah, and at the very least with this squad, when you take a look at it, you know, 16 of the players are either 25 or 25 years old or younger. So I like the fact that Tata is looking towards a future. He's even looking at players who are, I mean, like like Macias, you know, he's, he's only 20 years old. You look at, you know... Johan Vasquez, he's only uh, 21 years old. You know, Jorge Sanchez is only 21. Edson Alvarez is 22. Antuna is 22. So there's a lot of really young guys in the squad that I think are clearly the future of the national team. And I'm glad that Tata is not only just looking at the best options that Mexico has, but has looked at some of these younger, younger faces as well. So I'm pretty happy about that. And I think in the same way that, that he's chosen a mixture of... Mostly, I would say mostly young talent, but also enough experienced names. I think that's kind of the starting 11 that I want to see. Uh, well, actually, not even just this week, but next week as well. So, yeah, maybe you start Nochoa. Yeah, you start a Moreno. Maybe you start Jonathan Dos Santos. But also, you know, he shouldn't be afraid to, you know, to give an opportunity 
to the Jorge Sanchez's or the Vasquez's or the Macias so the Christian Calderon's you know so that's, that's that's what I'm hoping to see this week and I do think if we're going predictions I'm going to go with another one nothing win for Mexico uh this Friday I don't know what do you think uh, I, I'm, I'm um, thinking it's going to be a win I think it'll be like a 2-0 win okay yeah not too much but yeah I think there's enough talent to make sure that they get a more comfortable win but yet yeah, I mean totally agreed on on like the age of these players because if we do expect to make the change for a world cup you can't expect like that change to come just before the World Cup. You have to kind of start right. leading into it um, the previous year. So these players are 21, 22. They'll be 25, maybe 24 when they make it to the World Cup. And that's like perfect World Cup age, right? I mean, you will have those more experienced players which are more near their 30s maybe. Um, but, but if you want that change, it has to happen now and not in qualifiers where there's just too much at risk to actually just give players their first chances at the national team. So I think that's really wise. And I think it's... I think it's something we haven't seen before, especially not this just like this broad, because usually we would see like yeah. a couple of players and now we're seeing like an entire generation. I mean, we could have a, a starting 11 with all new players or just players that have barely started to like to be called up to the senior squad for the world, for the national team. So I think it's pretty interesting. And it's, I think it's probably the reason Gerardo Martino joined the Mexican national team, because this was part of his project. Yeah, no, and it's and it's exciting, too, because it's not just. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm looking at the B squad here, and oh, I'm gonna look at the A squad. It's like a mixture of an A, B, and C squad, and I like that. It, it's just like it's just been a mixture of like A, B, C, you know, recently for the national team, and I'm a big fan of that. So yeah, uh, I think it's it's like as you mentioned, like if we're gonna be looking towards that future talent, you don't just bring them in overnight. You kind of gradually transition them in. So I think that these are these games, these Concacaf Nations League games, and remember once again. Yeah, we want to laugh at the idea that these games are up against, you know, Panama and like Bermuda, but they're still very, very important for FIFA rankings, especially once the knockout round starts. So these games and these wins do matter a lot for Mexico, even though the opponent isn't that intimidating. It still matters a lot for that FIFA ranking. And those FIFA rankings are really important once we get to the to the next World Cup for uh, for uh, seating and uh, being able to be in that first pot. And hopefully, so Mexico can be leading a group as opposed to going up against powerhouses <laughs> like we like we tend to do most World Cups. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and it's also like I'm not quite sure. I haven't looked into like, for instance, what other national teams are doing. I I I, I usually read about maybe the states or something, and they do have this transition into another generation going on as well. But I think it's like again, it's only natural. I mean, you you need to see these players. You don't get to see them maybe as as often as you would like maybe for a national team. I think we're working on that because we have these mini camps going on now that we didn't have before. Um, and then I mean, we usually criticize the amount of activity we have in Coca-Cola. We have lots of tournaments coming up. Um, but just the fact that you're taking advantage of not, and not only seeing the more experienced players who you probably can count on any moment, um, looking into the younger players and just making sure that they're working on whatever they need to do with their clubs just to keep on being called up for, for the national team. So, I mean, it, it's exciting to see that with Gerardo Martino. I think um, I, I like the fact that this is something that we're worried about now, that we're just not calling up all the European players to play all the national team games. Because, one, I don't think they'd like that. I mean, to be honest, at this point, I really think that they enjoy knowing that they won't be called up as often. Um, and then, too, because, I mean, we do need to start worrying about this. We just can't keep thinking that we're going to have Guardado for this cup, World yeah. Cup and then for the next or, or Guillermo Ochoa. Um, you, need, you need to start looking into who's going to be that player that's going to make it more difficult for them and actually maybe even start those games. Yeah, and these, these mini camps do matter to some of the younger players, too. I mean, I talked to Jonathan Gonzalez in September, and I asked him about the mini camps, and he was clearly pretty excited about it. 
you know, he was saying to get these opportunities to not only like train with the team, but also to be able to like get more attention, you know, from the national team, that these are things that really matter to them. So I, I, it's not as if these like these players, and I know this is only one example right here, it's just Jonathan, but I mean, it, it was good to hear that because the, the last thing you'd want to hear is players being like, um, I don't want to take part in these mini camps. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And it was pretty clear that he was very excited to be taking part in these to get an opportunity to represent Mexico, even if it's just do a training camp. So I think for the younger players, you know, these, you know, this, is, this is a very, very crucial opportunity for them. And it's a crucial time for them to really like make a case for themselves. So, so, so I'm happy with it. And I'm glad that Tata has been able to get these mini mini cams and to get these players, like, as we mentioned, just slowly transitioning into the, to the national team. I think it's also important for Liga MX. I mean, sometimes you kind of think that both organizations are doing their own thing and it's kind of like independent. You have the national team, which is one store, and then you have Liga MX, which is another. Um, but I think it also benefits Liga MX because as much as you want to expect from these players, it kind of pushes the coaches to giving them more minutes. Um, they kind of see an advantage of having these national team players being called up. If they want to sell them, it's obviously more enticing to sell a player that has had national team minutes that is kind of better for, and I don't know, some of the other teams that are struggling to have Mexican, uh, Mexican-born players. So, again, I think it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, and obviously, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, um, Andres Guardado was giving an interview, and he said how difficult sometimes it is to carry um, that captain's armband and just yeah. be um, that position that Rafa Marquez um, inherited him. So... I, I was actually thinking, I mean, yeah, you've got Guillermo Ochoa, but you don't have that strong leader that we used to, like with Rafa, for instance, or Gerardo yeah. Torrado at some point. Um, because, again, if, if, if Guardado's not there, I'm pretty sure Ochoa would get it, and maybe even Moreno or something. But it's not that strong leadership captain role you we were kind of used to seeing. So I'm kind of worried about that as well, because you do want someone that can um, assume that responsibility and just be that voice and that, that, that the national team needs. And I'm not quite sure if either of these three players are that voice. I mean, on the field, yes. But they also have to be that, that personality and that figure off the pitch as well. Yeah. All right, Alina, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the, the 2020 CONCACAF Women's Olympic Qualifying Championship. We got the, the draw is already set. We got the groups. And Mexico is going to be going up against Canada, Jamaica, St. Kitts and Nevis. So, I mean, it's going to be, I, I think most of us expect Mexico to make it out of the group. So really quickly, there are two different groups of four teams. The top two from each group qualify for the semis. Uh, and then the winners of the semis not only qualify for the Olympics, but they also qualify for the final. Um, it seems like Mexico, I, I, I would say they're the second favorite in group B, but just... Being able to make it to the semi would be, would be very, really, really important for Mexico. But, of course, the main goal is to qualify for the Olympics. And it looks like it might be a little tough to go up against, let's say, the United States, which is what I think it seems like realistically that's what's going to happen, right? If we're, if we're talking mm-hmm, about yeah. what's what's likely to happen, Mexico's going to finish in group, second place in Group B and go up against first in Group A, and that'll be the United States. And I don't know. I guess long story short, it's, 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 it's going to be it might be a little bit of a challenge here for all three to, to really uh, qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I was talking with this um, about this with Amy. Um, I mean, the best case scenario, I mean, the only way to actually make it through the final is making sure that you're first place of your group. And that yeah. somehow means at least not losing to Canada and then ama- making sure that you have an amazing goal differential against like, the other teams. Because if you do qualify second, which realistically does seem as w- w- what could happen, is you're going to face United States in semifinals and that would be it. Yeah. So the only way of avoiding that is making sure that Canada faces the United States in semifinals 
um, and then you face whatever other team makes it from the other group, and then pray. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, and this is something that just just when uh, when you look at the men's side and see how easy it is sometimes being in Concacaf. When on the men's and the women's side, it's to the total opposite. I mean, you're yeah. facing two of the best three or five teams in the in the world, and it just makes it way more complicated to even think about qualifying when you have those those rivals. Yeah, and it just. I mean, it it, all, it seems like it's all going to lead up to that final group stage match for, for Mexico's women's side because they go up against Jamaica first, they go up against St. Kitts and Nevis a second, and then that final match is against Canada. So I think it seems like Mexico will be the favorites against uh, uh, Jamaica and St. Kitts and Nevis, and the same can be said for Canada against those sides. So that final match between Canada and Mexico is going to be so crucial. That So, so really quickly, these games... Um, for those who don't know, they're going to be taking part in late January and early February. So mm -hmm. that final group stage match for, between Mexico and Canada is going to be on February 4th. And that could be the deciding factor. I mean, more than likely, it's going to be a deciding factor where Mexico is going to, whether Mexico is going to be in first or second in this group. And if, the, and if it's a draw, then that means it's all going to come down to them getting big wins over Jamaica and also St. Kitts and Nevis. Agreed. I mean, this is one, one of like, like we were so happy about CONCACAF on the men's side and you look at this and it's just it's terrible because you start to think that after not making it to the past World Cup after having such a terrible run last year um, something will be done and despite the fact that it could be done just the, the fact of knowing that you have to face either Canada or United States and at least getting a draw against them it kind of ruins anything that could go forward to make sure that you still make it through so I mean it's it's really difficult it does seem as though unless they change the system the qualifying tournament or something it's going to be really difficult to make it through um at least in the, in the short term but i mean hopefully it still won't let people down and make sure that they still follow the, the, the women's mexican national team because some things are being done i don't think as many as they as they should um i still think that, that there's tons more to be done with 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 the women's program but still i mean hopefully at least it won't be as terrible as last year's um the world cup qualifiers were yeah no agreed i don't yeah i don't think we want to relive any of that anymore uh <laughs> other than, let's let's uh let's wrap things up with the with our last segment which is uh the mexicans abroad and of course the big rumor uh coming over probably from someone like i don't know maybe like down the hall down the hall in your office it could be someone that you shared like a like a desk club with over at through the na but uh what we're hearing from over there is that diego linus could potentially return to Globe America. Apparently, America has already sent uh, representatives over there uh, to Sevilla to talk to Real Betis and to talk to Linus. Uh, apparently, Linus is looking for more minutes. And uh, what um, some rumors are saying is that he could be released on loan to Globe America, but that he also has offers from Spain, from France, and from the United States. Adriana, I mean, any other thoughts on this? This did come from. It could be. It could be one of your buddies. It could be your your secret Santa for all you know. You know, like <laughs> this is coming from through the NA. I know. Um, we had the information today. I guess we shouldn't be. I mean, I guess we're not surprised that Diego Linus is thinking about moving away from yeah. Betis, at least on loan. We are surprised that America is one of those teams that kind of raised their hand and said, "Hey, would you mind coming back?" Um, to be honest, despite the fact, um, like despite the information that came out today, I really do think he'll avoid coming back that soon. I mean, because I can't imagine the pressure that he'll get 
um, if he does come back and just having to face that, all those questions about, do you think it was a failure? Was it a bad choice? Or would, would you, did, did you think um, Miguel Herrera was right and it was just way too soon for you to leave? Stuff like that. So, I mean, th this is when we all start thinking, what if he had gone to Ajax instead, which was apparently the other team kind of rooting for him? Um, I, I really hope he just makes sure that he stays in Europe and in whatever team, as long as he gets the minutes. Because coming back, I do, I do think that the pressure could be um, quite negative. Yeah, especially with Club America. I mean, just like, because I think the expectations would be like incredibly high for him as opposed to a different team in Europe. Where I think he might be given a little bit more time to adjust. Maybe he would there wouldn't mm -hmm. be nearly as much pressure. And of course, pressure from people like us. Well, I mean, we're definitely ones to blame. Like we're definitely ones that are going to put a yeah. significant spotlight on him. And if he has a great game, he's going to be the greatest player of all time. And if he has three bad games, then we're going to be like, oh, why did he do this? Why? I mean, look, look, look at Ochoa. Look at the way that people have talked about Ochoa, you know, after like he had a few bad matches and the way that people were like responding to him. So it's, I, I, I agree that I don't want to see him come back um, to, to League of Manchester, or I guess United, move over to the United States because obviously there are offers from over there too. And I would prefer for him to go on loan somewhere else in Europe. I, I, I think he has opportunity to do something pretty big with the team. And he's still fairly young, so it doesn't have to be a, a European superhouse. You know, I, I just I, I do also want to see him continue to stay in Europe. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I can't even imagine how, I mean, this, imagine if he did come back to America. I mean, it's not like he's going to have like a starting position just because he's coming back. I mean, exactly. we've seen what happened with Ochoa. We've seen what happened with Giovanni. And to be honest, he has really he would have like tons of competition it wouldn't be easy just coming back to america and making sure that he has that starting role which is exactly why he's leaving betis i mean he, he only wants to play and i wouldn't be sure if america could even guarantee that many minutes exactly. as he wants them to unless he's like coming back with an amazing like performances and everything which i don't think he has i mean I think he will have to struggle with whatever team he joins next season, um, get those minutes, and then slowly start making his way into the starting position. I don't think it will be that easy. So I hope he does switch because he's clearly not in Betis', in Betis um, like priorities right now. I think they're struggling quite a bit this season, and I think what he does need is just confidence and those slow like, but, but minute, like, slow minutes to make it sure that he does get that starting role eventually. Yeah, no, agreed. So, yeah, I think, I think, and it seems like, I mean, even, even though he doesn't even, regardless of what's happening, like him minutes wise, I mean, things just don't seem to be working out well for Bethys in general. You know, they not exactly yeah. having the best season right now. Things are looking quite bad for them. You know, they're, they're flirting with, you know, the relegation spots right there too. So I think it'd be good to see him go somewhere else in Europe and just have a little bit, I don't know, maybe have a little bit more fun out there. And as opposed to playing for a team that only has uh, 13 points in 13 La Liga games. But uh, yeah, let's, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, and I was also going to say, I mean, even like looking at this really pessimistically, like this is like worst case scenario, Betis does get relegated. Well, at least you want to make sure that you had some opportunity with some other team to get yeah. you, because I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to play in any other, like he doesn't want to play in second division in Spain. He wants to play in a first division team anywhere. So if he does get the opportunity to leave, maybe that'll be also his ticket to actually staying in first division football in Europe and, not, and making sure that he avoids play, play, uh, playing second division in Spain. Yeah, yeah. So looking over at the other Mexicans in Europe, the other big news from the weekend wasn't Hector Moreno scoring for Al Garrafa over in Qatar. The big news is uh, Raul Jimenez getting another goal for Wolves. Um, that is now his fifth goal of the season. It was scored during the 2-1 to win over Aston Villa. Now, uh, there's an interesting stat here from Opta Joe. 
And they said that only Raheem Sterling has scored more goals in all competitions among all Premier League players this season than Wolves striker Raul Jimenez. And then they added Luchador. <laughs> so <laughs> quite the season the, that uh, Raul Jimenez is having, although it helps to be taking part in uh, Europa League qualifiers because he's he's been doing incredibly well right there. But still, I mean, five goals and two assists and seeing what he's doing in uh, the Europa League, that's... It's 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 a it's a continuation of a of a of a, an impressive time in Europe for Raul Jimenez, and it's really good to see because sometimes sometimes it can be a little quiet when you're when you're when we're talking about the Mexicans abroad. So it's really good to see a player like this thriving. And he also got his 100th goal, right? Like an entire That's like right. first division teams. Yeah. And it, it was just really funny to see like those statistics. You have America, and then you've got Wolves and Benfica, and then you've got one goal with Atletico Madrid. <laughs> yeah, right. I I laughed when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah i mean we're all happy about it um it kind of fills in the gap when we think about the national team about what we're letting go and we don't have carlos vela being called up um so it, it's just amazing to see that the team is responding and that he is responding to all, not only the minutes that he's getting but also having a team that was actually kind of built to play for him so i, I think we're all psyched to see him to stay that way i hope he stays in that team a long time i really don't hope that despite the goals that he's getting that he goes to another team because it does seem like this is like the best fit yeah all right Adrian, i think uh that's about it for us but really quickly i'm gonna i'm gonna sneak up something on you uh i didn't add anything else from liga mikey's feminine because i know you and amy uh tend to do an excellent job of covering liga mikey's feminine on the our football podcast so for those who don't know they release the podcast every friday but Anything else that uh, that's worth uh, bringing up right now with Liga Becky's Feminine? Because it is the final uh, match day of the season, correct? So after this, we're going to know the final position. So anything to keep it on ahead of the playoffs? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we've known for what teams have been qualified, most of them for, for quite a while. I mean, it's, you still see that huge difference between like first, first places, last... Um, you start to see some teams kind of sneaking up on the playoff positions. I mean, Cruz Azul had the most amazing season, despite the fact that um, they won't make it through, but I mean, slowly you start seeing some of these teams actually getting more attention from the clubs and start growing. So I guess, um, unlike the men's side, which we're not sure about what's going on with Tigres and Monterrey, yeah, just keep an eye on them for the women's side because they are the teams to beat. And if things don't move too much, it's probably going to be, um, for instance, Tigres facing Chivas in the quarterfinals, and that's going to be such an amazing game because Chivas has also done so well after kind of losing their weight in that last season. But Tigres is just such a huge powerhouse. Um, it'll also be great to see Villa Ceballos facing his former team, Tigres. Um, and the other teams, I mean, right, right now, uh, it would be Monterrey facing Morelia, which would be really interesting because we haven't seen Morelia make it through. Um, Tigres versus Chivas. I mean, Chivas, first-time champion for Liga Max. Tigres, uh, twice, twice champions. I hope, it's not that I don't like Tigres, but I really hope we have a different champion this season because I think it would benefit the league. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we have Pachuca versus, uh, versus Atlas. Atlas also being this kind of discreet team on the women's side, but they do have these amazing seasons. Um, and then you have America facing Cholos. Cholos, which is, has also had like the most amazing season. Rene Cuellar just breaking every expectation we had of the team. So um, it's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, I do see, I, I think Monterrey is bound to be one of the finalists. And we'll just have to see if Tigres is the other once again. Um, because, I mean, I still wouldn't count out maybe uh, Pachuca, probably. All right, so thank you, uh, Adrian, for that little wrap-up right there. But uh, 
But yeah, but that's it for us. Uh, thanks, Adriana. Thanks to listeners for checking out today's podcast. Uh, feel free to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Max Soccer Show. Uh, thanks again. And until next time, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. See you guys around. Bye.